This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are speaking on, quote-unquote, the dark night of the soul. So this would be a good time to review, well, what are we talking about? What is that? So it's a season uh, of the Christian life or experience when our feeling or sense of God's presence might be absent, le- leading to sadness, grief, lament, but, but really just that sense of that God is far away and absent, particularly in the midst of perhaps a difficult trial or circumstance. So what we're going to talk about today is we're just going to look at different stages of the dark night of the soul. And the first one is a major disruption or a triggering event. Typically, we don't end up in this dark night of the soul without something that begins that spiral downward. And oftentimes, it's things that we're not prepared for, we didn't see coming, that we didn't expect, that take us off guard. So... What are what are some examples of those type of triggers? A death of a loved one it could be a major one. Yeah, a sudden or extreme uh, poverty, loss of income and job and and career. <clears throat> Two that I've seen is at least in my own family circles is one is betrayal by a close friend, where you had trusted somebody that you had become close to somebody and then they turned and. Seemingly for no reason, you you don't know why. All of a sudden, they began to act the way that they did. The other is just a turn in health. That you're once the person was healthy and and active and able to do, and then they ha- change in health. That nothing serious didn't come down with cancer, they didn't, but just something significant that made it so they couldn't be as active as and engaged as they they once were, and then. The third example that I've seen in my own family is, like extended family, is this comparison to other people and to just broad society and and coming to a false conclusion about where you are compared to other people or compared to where you ought think you ought to have been. You know, that leads me to think of Psalm 73 in Asaph where he, he's describing his dark night. So he says, I almost slipped, I almost fell because he looks at the uh, success um, and wealth of the wicked while the, the righteous suffer. How do we see this in the psalm that we were looking at yesterday, Psalm 13? David's enemy seems to be, uh, well, he says he's exalted over him. So it could have been Saul, it could have been Absalom, it could have been another leader. But David knows that God has promised that he is his king, and yet that's not the way things look right now because in verse 2, my enemy is exalted over me. The second stage is a loss of direction and hope. So something creates the trigger, step one. This one is where that trigger 
has started the spiral down where, downward where now it's despair and hopelessness. What all is involved in this, this stage as far as despair, hopelessness? I think it's if you can think about walking down a path and then this triggering event kind of knocking you off the path so you become a little bit perhaps disillusioned with your purpose um, you begin to question your calling the, the the meaning of your of your life it may can get we call it the dark night for a reason it can get pretty dark where you begin to uh, question and consider the worthiness of continuing in the pursuit uh, of the life that you imagined you'd have at this point there are two biblical examples that show this this stage, um, I think, pretty well. Um, the first is Elijah. He had this mountaintop experience. He takes on all these prophets of Baal. God comes yeah. in and, and intervenes and displays his legitimacy and glory over these false prophets. And then all of a sudden, he's running in fear. Um, he's afraid and, and is exhausted and is despairing of life he wants to die because he feels this sense that god has has let him down or in some sense the events didn't play out (laughs) after mount carmel they didn't play out exactly as he thought they ought to have and he feels as if why bother my work my identity as a prophet doesn't matter and i wish i could just have my life taken and Jonah's another one. He he clearly is in disobedience to God. God has called him to a particular task, a task that he does not want to do. He's running away from God. God has sent a storm to disrupt his his disobedience, and Jonah will have none of it. Um, and says basically, "Take my life to the sailors. Throw me into the sea. Yep, and throw me into the sea so that I can die because I'd rather die." Then obey, and I, I really am angry and struggling and, and all of these things. And he's saying death is better than to live the life that I'm being called to. Other things that you want to? I would say that I've seen this in pastoral ministry um, with myself at times, and you know nothing re- recently, obviously. But Charles Spurgeon struggled with this, mm-hmm. a, a loss of loss of joy, loss of direction, especially when someone like Spurgeon had a lot of people writing about him, slandering him and everything else. But um, yeah, the the loss of hope is something that is not uncommon when someone is especially, um, you know, walking after the Lord, these things come along. Sometimes it's attack of the enemy. Sometimes it's the flesh. Sometimes it's God wanting to put us through something to strengthen us so we can help someone else. A good book to read on that is is um, a book. It's a, a biography called "Steal Away Home" about Charles Spurgeon and his struggle with with some of these these issues in his own in his own life. You have the trigger. You have loss of direction and hope, where you're spiraling down, and then really the next step is hitting rock bottom. This is where you you get to this point, and this is actually where where some have have made the choice that life is not worth living and have taken their own life. It, they, they've come to that point. I think I mentioned this on the air before, but I had a nephew that took his own life um, mm. several years ago where he spiraled downward. Um, his parents, um, this is my brother, had intervened, had felt like he was moving in the right direction, um, thought that 
they had gotten him back on a an upward trajectory, but um, my nephew was just living in denial and um, was going along with what his parents were saying, um, playing the game so that he could be left alone. Mm. And then he took his own life. How old was he? He was 22. He had just gotten done with college and I was probably 23, I guess, 22, 23. And he felt like his life wasn't what it ought to have been, that he thought he was going to be much further along and more successful. He felt like he was a failure, um, which is just ironic because he was one of these kids that was kind of a renaissance kid. He, he was artistic. He was athletic. He was smart. He had an incredible, infectious personality. Um, he's the type of kid that you would want as a friend because he just he just literally let up lit up a room when he walked in. He was that type of person, and he was so self deceived that he didn't see any of that. He saw himself as as this absolute failure, and that he was just a burden to everybody around him. That it was better that he was was dead than to to continue on being such a burden for other people. And mm-hmm. you just believe the lie of the devil. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. I think that's that's one of the dangers of that that descent toward the rock bottom is when when there's a loss of direction and hope. In in that void, there there can be lies that we grab a hold of, and having the courage to to say out loud during that season what's in our mind takes courage. <laughs> but it, it it is a it is a pathway to 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 the next step, waking up to the truth. But it, it is a, it is the way out, you know. The sad thing is he wrote all this out, Mm. wrote all of what he was feeling and experiencing and going through, but never shared it until after he had taken his life. So he never really let anybody in. Um, And then when you read it, you go, well, none of this is true. Right. There's there's just no truth in this. Mm. It was all what he was – it was true to him. This Mm -hmm. is that perception is reality. What he was perceiving – he believed that all of these things, but from the outside looking in, you're going, wait, what? Yeah. None of this is true. But it, by the time any of us saw that, it was, it was beyond you know, the, our time to help. So. I, I hope this isn't an untimely placement of this principle, but this goes back to Psalm 73 with Asaph. He was living in a lie. Mm-hmm. He was living in, you know, we righteous people are slaving away and the the wicked are doing whatever they want and they're getting fat. <laughs> you know, they're prospering and they're doing fine. And he said, I went until I went to the sanctuary. I hope I'm not getting over our skis here, but when he went to the sanctuary and he he remembered uh, this is the place where God has covenanted to meet with man in the temple via sacrifice and priesthood. Um in a sense, it's it's a reminder of the gospel that no God has determined to dwell among us. And to be with us, and anyway, the the point being in Psalm seventy three, Asaph had to be reminded of the truth of who God really is, and that's where we need to continually go back to, even when we don't feel it, is go back to the Word. Who is God? Who has He said that He is? Who has He said that I am? What is He? You know, what is the truth? Because we we often deceive ourselves, and 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 the world will deceive us as well. And that's the final step of, of this dark night of the soul. Is See, it? I am getting over our skis. No, here. no, this is perfect. <laughs> it's waking up to the truth. This is the end of Psalm 73. This is the end of, of Psalm 13. 
that you've trusted in God's steadfast love. And the the reason why several days ago I said everybody believes in covenant is everybody believes in God's steadfast love, and God's steadfast love is a covenant love. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so th- this is where we hope. This is where we find our, our strength. This is the light that needs to pierce the darkness of that dark night where we re- remember, we recall, we reflect upon, we grab hold of, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. What we're holding on to is God's steadfast love, which is really the end of Romans 8. Yeah. I think one of the benefits of the dark night of the soul as we experience it is this fact that we have to face the subjectivity of our feelings and our emotions and how they can, as James talks about, being uh, moved back and forth like a wave in the ocean to and fro. And so what I think God is doing in, in when, we, when he allows us to experience this season is he's teaching us to love him based on the objective truth of who he is and not our subjective experience or circumstances. And so if you think about our old nature, we used to love the world because of the way it made us feel. And when we begin our Christian life, that can we can be tempted to love God that way. We love him because of how he makes us feel. One of the benefits of the dark night of soul is you ha- you're forced to love God for who he says he is, That's right. not for how he makes you feel. Yep. And I think this is so important to just remember that our feelings are a gift of God, but because of the fall, we can't trust them. Yep. And so what we trust is the objective reality of how God has declared himself to be in his word. And even though it might be the last place you want to be, it's the very place you need to be is saturating your heart and mind with the truths of God's word, be in church, be singing songs, be in community so that you remind yourself of what is true, not what you think or feel is true. We'll unpack this further tomorrow. We'll see you then.